0: I always um, uh, have learnt over the years you know when you drive into Gladstone um, there's a place from Tenham Sands as you drive from Tenham Sands or drive from the Bruce Highway there's a thing that we used to call the Tallulah bends do we still call it that it's not so much the Tallulah bends because they've straightened about a fair bit but when I first drove into Gladstone you went around, it was like a snake. It was just incredible. And I always remember Gladstone for that reason. And, the, and one of the things that I always used to determine whether the tide was in or not, when I drove through the Tullua bends, you'd see the tide right up or you'd see that the tide was right out because of the evidence of the mudflats. And uh, it was always interesting to me as a young man to think, oh, well, the tide's in. Or the, and trying to work out, have you ever seen the kind of the tide halfway and you're trying to work out whether it's coming in or going out? You ever done that? I think, you're not quite sure, you know. And I don't know why I was intrigued by that, but I was. And, and, you know, when we even talk about the reality of this terminology, the turning of the tide, the turning of the tide, it's a metaphor for life, isn't it, in some ways? And what a metaphor is, is just a, it, it, it's a simple thought that just relates about how life is done. And, and you know, for me, the metaphor really is, it's talking about how things can be turned around for good. You know when someone says, well, the tide has turned. They're talking about, oh no, well, things have turned around for good because it was going in the wrong direction, now we're going in the right direction. And whether you think the tide going out or in is the right or wrong direction is really un- doesn't really matter this morning. It's the fact that, that, you know, that God wants to turn the tide in some of our lives and situations and circumstances that we've faced and you know what, I was there were some things in 2016 that I think all of us would say, I don't want in 2017. There's things that have happened last year that I, I want to see the tide turn. It's, I want it different this year. There's some things in 2016 to say, no, I want to see continue because that was, that was good, but I want to see more of it. I want to see more of it. I want to see what more God can do. I just don't want to be satisfied with what happened in 2016. Why not see something greater in 2017, church? You know, we can be satisfied. Well, that was a great year. But, you know, that year's finished. This year is upon us. And I think God wants to turn the tide in the life of our church, in the life of p- individuals, in the life of families. He wants to turn some tides around so that we're heading and doing things even more differently, even greater, for His kingdom's sake. Because I, I think just to, re- to be satisfied with where I am is just to really to be going backwards. I don't want to be sitting and just saying, well, this is okay. And no, it's not, because I really feel that goes backwards. You know, I don't want to be the best... Of the worst i want to be the best of the best i want to i want the best of the best of what god has for us average you know some people say well i'm just average you know what average is it's the best of the worst and the worst of the best i want to be the best of all that god's got i want more of what you know i, I just want to stir you up this morning that let that hunger and thirst come afresh you know, it's, you know, we say, oh, well, we, why do we do it at the start of the year? Well, I just think it's a great opportunity because sometimes, we, you know, 2016, always, it doesn't have to be the start of a new year. It can be any moment in your year or any moment in your day that you say, hey, I want the tide to turn, but why not take the opportunity at the start of this year to say, God, let's see things turn around for goods. And uh, some people say, you know, well things that happen in life. That's my lot in life. Well, I've found that that doesn't have to be. I've discovered that in him is my life, in Jesus. In actual fact, he wants to give us abundant life. He wants to give us more life. We physically may be getting older and getting, walking towards that destiny of heaven. But the reality is, is that even though physical things may surround us that seem to be in the country of more life, inside we could just have more life. You, why not be the most alive, 70, 80, 90 year old, 60, 50? You know, some people are 17 and dead, and yet some people are 70 and alive. In actual fact, age has really got nothing to do with it. It's all about, you know, what's in here, isn't it? So, come on. What do we need to turn the tide? So when I say turn the tide, some of you automatically can think, yeah, there's that. I don't want to see that. What happened last year happened this year. So I want to talk, talk about turning the tide. And if there's one story in the Bible that impresses me and encouraged me and inspired me over many, many years is the whole story of the children of Israel. You know that million-plus group of people, that, that uh, nation that, of course, uh, came into Egypt abundance abundance and when Jacob walked into Egypt on the uh, invitation of his son Joseph you remember in the book of Exodus the second book of the Bible uh, Israel walked into Egypt um, abundantly supplied much produce many people much cattle goats donkeys etc and yet 400 years later uh, they had nothing they're in slavery in Egypt in Egypt In 400 years, they'd gone from an incredible abundance and blessing to literally having nothing and just working for Pharaoh and building his structures and his monuments and working for him. And yet they finally left Egypt under the leadership of Moses in a wonderful way and yet spent another 40 years before they came into what they called and we call today the Promised Land. But in that process of time when Moses took over the leadership, there was some turning of the tides for Israel. There were some things that changed. And as we look at their story, you can see your story there in their story. You can see parts of your life. And so clearly, um, it, it's displayed there because we all go through things that something of what the children of Israel went through. So I wanted to look at that, and if there's ever the... The tide was turned for Israel. It was that nation saw the tide turn. The book of Exodus is all about them. As I said, it's the second book in the Old Testament, the second book of the Bible. And the word Exodus means exit. And even a better meaning for it, um, we'll look at that soon, but even a better meaning for it is it, Exodus actually means that way out. That way out. Man, I want, there's things that I want to get out of, that, that way out. And God says, you know, there's a way out. And Jesus actually said it in the New Testament. He says, I am the way, the truth and the life. He says, I'm the way out. And the book of Exodus was the, literally means that way out. And that's what the children of Israel, they, they were in slavery and bondage, and they came out of. And that's a good thing. And, you know, so often I see that we need to come out of some of the stuff of those past uh, months and years that we've been involved in. So a million plus people decided to stand up and say enough is enough. And out of the story we can discover some things. You know what? I forgot the clicker to click through my PowerPoint slides. So you can... Thanks, Jeff. But the first one is this. If there's the first thing that we need to, to turn the tide on, it's, it's, it's uh, contained in this couple of verses here. And if we need to turn the tide, there's one thing we need to turn the tide is, and that's turn our hearts... Thank you very much. Towards heaven. Let's read this verse. This is part of Exodus. We're not going to read all of the story. We'll just read parts of inserts. It says, Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. And all the Israelite people went and went, hooray. <laughs> and then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage. They cried out and they cried, came up to God because of the bondage they were in. And remember they were building... The monuments to, of pharaohs, and so God heard their groaning. Amen. God hears, and God remembered His His covenant or His promise with Abraham, Isaac, and with Jacob. That's the forefathers of Israel, and God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. I love that simple thought. There, we are got to turn our. If there's one thing we need to turn the tide on, is we need to turn the tide in turning our hearts to heaven. In 2017. I've mentioned already, and, and it wasn't until I just stood here this morning and sensed that talking God was just wanting to speak to us as a church and say, you know, 2017 is the time to lean into God. It's the time to lean into God. And the children of Israel here turned their hearts. Finally, after 400 years, they got it. They woke up and they said, let's cry out. And God heard their cry. They finally had enough. Have you finally had enough for some things? You know, when you get enough passion and desire saying, I've had enough. That's the time where you just say, hey, I get to turn my eyes somewhere else, and that's towards God. He's our Heavenly Father. He is our Heavenly Father. Do not ever believe that He's not. He is. And wherever you've been, whatever you've done, He still wants to embrace you. He stands willing and waiting. There's one thing that I taught our children as they grew up, even from about the age of five. I taught them to memorize my mobile phone number. The reason I taught them to memorize my mobile phone number is because if they ever were separated from us in a crowd or lost in a shopping center, at least they had one thing, that they memorized their father's mobile phone number. And as little girls, they would recite it to me. I won't place that pressure on them this morning. (laughs) But they knew it. And, you know, it it was always good and reassuring to me as a father that, you know, if for some reason they needed to ring their dad... I'd be on the other end of the phone and they could do that at any moment, whatever situation they got into. And you know what? As I, as I think about the realities of where we need to lean into, do you know your father's number this morning? Do you know that you can lean into God and he'll always be there? Some of us are not sure because we think sometimes, oh, well, I've been here and done that. Does he really want me to lean into him? Does he really want me to look my eyes heavenward? And Yeah, he does. He does. Because he's a father he's a heavenly father uh, he wants us to do that as i said the children of israel after 400 years of slavery finally woke up and said let's lean into god. let's let's hear what god has to let's look put our eyes heavenward let's for, for the you know after 400 years and you know you'd think that they would have thought of it before then but they took a little while and you know for us sometimes it takes a while for us to Get it, but I wanted, why don't you get it early in life that God is your source and your father. If we need to turn the tide, you've got to turn the tide on what you're really looking at this year. Where are you gonna look? You're gonna look at all the things that are happening in the world. There's a lot to look at. Or you're gonna look at our heavenly father and say, hey, he's the one I need to keep focused on. Moses, interesting, Moses, of course, at a at a young age, he had an incredible life story, didn't he? And finally, he comes to the point where he acknowledges that he is not just a, uh, an Egyptian, he is, he is an Israelite, he, is, you know, he is of the nation of Israel. And it says in Hebrews 11.24, it says this. Um, we'll click it through when it wants to click through. Is it working? Hello? There. there we go. Can you just make sure I can work it? Thank you. Yeah, that's good. Um, he, Moses says this, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, when he became of age, so who knows what that age was, maybe it was around 20, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. In other words, he, he said, I'm living in Pharaoh's house, I'm enjoying his food, I'm getting the education I need from Pharaoh, but you know what, in the end, I know what my story is, and I'm not really an Egyptian, I'm a Israelite, and he refused to be called Pharaoh's daughter. Moses turned his heart towards his God and said, I'm not a child of Pharaoh, I'm a child of my father Jehovah, the great I Am. He turned his heart. Before he went to, eat, to get the children out of Egypt, he knew, he, uh, he, he, he understood who he really was. He started to see that he was, his eyes were on his heavenly father. And you know, sometimes I think we need to refuse to be called the son and daughter of heartache. We need to refuse to be called the son and daughter of problems and grief. Now, we'll have those things, and those things happen to us in 2017. There'll be some problems, and there'll be opportunity for grief, and there'll be some opportunity for heartache. But I want to tell you, you don't have to live under them. You can just, you know what I'm talking about. You need to refuse to say, I'm not the son and daughter of that. I might be going through it, but I'm still the son and daughter of the great Heavenly Father, the great I Am. And Moses made a decision to refuse to be called uh, the son and daughter of Pharaoh and the son and daughter of the establishment and the son and daughter of this world. And he says, I'm greater than that. God's got something greater for me and God has for us. And sometimes, you know, we've got to make a decision to get sick and tired of what we're sick and tired of and say, hey, come on. I'm a child of God. I'm born of the Spirit of God. And we need to, and it just says in, the, in that chapter of Exodus, it says, When the children of Israel cried out to God, God heard their groanings. But look at verse 25. He acknowledged them. God acknowledged them. God acknowledges you today. He's your father. He can't deny his own children. None of us would, as fathers or mothers, deny us. God doesn't, definitely doesn't deny us. He acknowledges us and he says, come on. God doesn't let his children want us to be oppressed the rest of their lives. He doesn't want them to stay that way. We need to put our gaze upon heaven. So often we get distracted by things of this world. So often we get distracted by the struggles even, they consume us and the problems consume us or the activities that we're involved in, which are good activities but they're not our priority. They're just a thing that happens in life, they're, they're part of the blessing, they're not the, they're not the answer. God is that answer and we get distracted by those things, we put our gaze upon those things and if you're going to turn the tide this year, you're going to have to turn it in what you look at and what you focus on and what you give attention to. Because I want to tell you, when you give your focus and attention to the great I am, I tell you, life does go so much better. Not because the problems go away, it's because you look at it so much better. You see it in a different light. And you start to work through life so much better. So where's your gaze? We just need to be, find ourselves in 2017 in his presence. This morning I woke up, as I normally do on a Sunday morning at half past five, I went in and I fed our two little dogs. I then went into my office and our two little dogs know that the laundry is, we don't have dogs in the house, so to speak. It's never been our thing to have dogs in the house. But they do hop in the laundry and they'll just kind of, they'll enjoy the coolness of the tiles and laundry. And this morning I fed them and, you know, they were in the laundry. And then I went into the little office in our place and, and about five minutes into my, pr- my last-minute preparation this morning, I hear this tap-tap because tap, we've got a wooden floor. Tap-tap-tap-tap-tap. tap. And there they both are looking around the door at me. And I said, laundry. And they kind of turned around. And then within five minutes, they're tap-tap-tap and they're looking around. The t- now, the reason is, is because we've been away for a week and they're just wondering whether we're going to go away again. As much as Mark and Mary and a great lookers after our dogs they do know the one that feeds them and plays ball with them and washes them and cuts their hair and not that I mind you could do all that I don't mind but the reality is they know who their father is and not that I these are not my children they're just dogs but (laughs) and you know in the end I couldn't stop them they just laid at the entrance to the office door all morning and every time I move, their head would be up. Because they just know who's the provider and who's really looked after them all these years. As much as the dad, when he buys a dog for his children, says, now, you're going to look after these dogs. <laughs> it never happens. It's always the dad or the mother who look after the pets sometimes. <laughs> and you know what? They lay at the door because they know who's their provider. They just wanted to be in my presence. They just wanted to be in my presence. You know what? Have you got that desire just to be in his presence this year in 2017? Just to turn the tide on that. Maybe 2016 was just a bit lacking in his presence in that time with him and he just wants you to be in his presence, spend some time every day. And I'm speaking to myself this morning. You can never spend enough time in his presence. Never spend enough time gazing into his truth in his word. Never spend enough time. So if you're going to turn the tide, that's where we need to turn it. The Israelites finally woke up after 400 years. May it not take that long for us. Here's the second thing that I think is vitally important. If we're going to turn the tide in 2017, turn and ask for what was stolen from you in 2016. What has been stolen from you? Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses and they'd asked from the Egyptians articles articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing and the Lord had given the people favour in the sight of the Egyptians so they granted them what they requested thus they plundered the Egyptians. 400 years before they left Egypt, they entered Egypt with much, as I said before, much cattle, much donkeys, much camels, everything. They were an abundant little nation, a family. Jacob, on the, on the invitation of his son Joseph, came into Egypt. And they were about, um, about 200, 200 or 300 people. They grew to over a million people in 400 years. And what they had what they had, had now been taken from them and they had nothing. They'd been stripped back to literally Nothing. And so when they walked out of Egypt, God knew that. And he said, ask of the Egyptian people as you are released from Egypt and go into the desert or you're headed on your 40 years, which they didn't know they were about to take on a 40-year road trip. But reality was, God said, take, ask them for their silver and golden clothing. And you know, the Egyptians gave it to them. And they took back what has been stolen from them over 400 years. They took it back. One day, the Jewish people, the Israelite nation, was asking simply for straw to put in the mud to make bricks to build the monuments for Pharaoh. The next week, they're asking for silver and gold, and they got it. And you may feel like you, you just, oh, I, you know, what you need to do is ask a little bit bigger this year. You, you need to see that what's been stolen, what's been stolen from you. I'm not talking about material things or what, you know, um, you know. I, you know, whatever it may be, but I'm talking about what the enemy would like. He comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. Jesus come to give life and life abundantly. Who do you want to choose? I'd rather choose Jesus. Take back what's been stolen. Claim, proclaim, ask. Ask for our children back. Maybe ask for health and body and mind. Ask for it. Ask God and, and receive it. Why leave the old places of pain and grief without receiving joy and hope and peace as you go? Why not take back what the enemy's stolen? Um, When I was 20 years of age, I dreamed of buying a push bike. I know it's not the biggest thing, it's only a material possession, but you know, as I grew up in my years, I'd always um, kind of grown up being fairly careful with my finance and. And so, you know, I had to ride a push bike to work back and forth. Even though I had a car, I preferred to ride because I just wanted a bit of exercise. And I had this dream that one day I'd buy a really good push bike. And finally came the day where I was willing to buy a really good push bike. It cost me $800. Now, in those days, that was a lot of money to me. And, you know, I'd never spent as much money on anything at one time, that much money. And so I bought this push bike. It was special. You know, it, was, it had what other bikes didn't have. It had uh, um, epileptic gear, not epileptic, I mean epicycle gears. <laughs> It cycle gears, and so they were they were oval shaped and they give you more power. And the brakes were different; they were located in a different spot. And it was yellow, and it was uh, as a mountain bike, and I just loved it. And I ride it to work. I look forward to riding it every day to and fro, where I worked at the power station in Gladstone here. And I, I just, I what I dreamed of, I had. It was quite incredible to have it in my hands. And I put it under my house. I lived in Park Street, and and um. And one day I woke up early the next morning to go to work and I discovered my bike had been stolen. So I had to take the car. But I got angry, I got mad, and then I thought I better do what the Bible says. So I started to pray for the person that had stolen it. It says pray for those who you know, do things against you and pray for your enemies. And So I started to pray for it. I kind of guessed it must have been someone young, I don't know who it was, and I just started to pray blessing on them and I started to pray that they'll get convicted and they'll bring it back to me. And I started to pray all these kind of almost silly things, but I started to believe God and I march up and down and I said, God, I want my push bike back. I don't care how much he's wrecked. I just want it back and I'll get it new again under insurance because it'll be under house and contents insurance and I can fix it. And I just started I said bless him God that he's so convicted he has to bring it back. And so within a week I was driving. This is how it happened folks. I drove into the Valley Shopping Centre in my old Holden. I parked the car. And there in front of me, a young man on a yellow pushbike rode past me, a metre within my front of my car. It was my pushbike. He parked it four metres to the left of me. I got out of the car before he could even leave the pushbike. I went up to him. I was so excited. I don't know what he thought of me, but I didn't even introduce myself. I said, that's my pushbike. He was so shocked, he stood back. He said, take it. (laughs) That's what he said. Obviously, he knew that it was not his and that either him or someone else had stolen it. I then said, he was in shock. I I said to him... um, who, where'd you get this pushbike? He said, oh, bub, 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 I, I've just ridden it from Clinton Park, and, and it was a friend of mine's, and, and I just saw it, and, and, and he said I could just ride it into town here. I said, really, what's the name of your friend? He told me the name, the address, the phone number, everything. He was, I don't know what this young guy, he, he must have thought I was an angel or something. I don't know what he thought, but, you know, so I said, thank you. I took the pushbike, I put it in my car, I went to the police, I gave them the name, address, and phone number. They said, we know that guy. I said, good, you deal with it, I've got my pushbike, see you later. And I just think that we've got to ask for what God has stolen. Not God, the devil has (laughs) stolen from us. What is it? If it was as simple as a push bike, that would be easy. But you know what? It's sometimes our health, our happiness, our future, our mental health, our physical bodies, whatever it may be. Why did you start to ask again? Why did you give up in 2016? Asking. We have not because we we ask not. Isn't that selfish of us? No, ask for good things. God knows the desires of your heart and He wants to give you the good things that will bring health, wholeness. And in actual fact, He'll only usually He'll give you things that will benefit His kingdom. Did you know that? And your health and wholeness and future and your witness to other people will benefit His kingdom. When you're living a victorious, successful Christian life, it doesn't mean you'll be void of problems. No, you'll have those issues. But you know what? We live so that we can live over and above them, not under them. And God wants us to ask for the devil. The devil wants to rip you off every day. God wants to bless you every day. Come on. Whose kingdom are you going to follow? Yeah. So if we're going to turn the tide in 2017, we better just start to maybe... Uh, to ask for what has been stolen. Here's another thing the children of Israel, the third thing the children of Israel needed to turn the tide on. They needed to turn the tide, a turn to God's promises for their future. Exodus 13, 5. And it shall be, third thing, turn to God's promises for your future. It shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hittites and the Jebusites, And every other Vegemite, (laughs) which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land, come on, flowing with milk and honey, that you shall keep this this service in this month. It was talking about acknowledging God and what God had done for them. But here's the promise. Here's the promise that the land you're going to go into will flow with milk and honey. In other words, that represented incredible blessing. Incredible blessing. You know what? We cannot have a future without a promise. Some of us don't even get promises from God. I encourage you in 2017, why don't you hang on to God's promises in his word? It may be specific promises for you. It may be just general promises. But why not take a hold of his promise and say, God, that's the thing I'm going to use, have a hold of in 2017. I'm going to take a hold of your promise. Because we can think, well, God, I, I'm going to take back what the devil stole. No, no, take it back. But the way you take it back is you hang on to what he's given you. His promise is a down payment for your future blessing. That's what it is. His promises of his word. His promises into your heart. His promises of truth. What promises are you looking for in 2017? God's promise for your better marriage, for your better children, for a good occupation, for a better future. What do you believe in God for? Notice it says that there was milk Do you know what milk represents? If there was going to be milk in the promised land, that means there was going to be goats and cows who gave them that milk. And if there was goats and cows, that means there was going to be fields and pastures. It looked a lot better than desert, would you agree? If there was going to be honey, that means there was going to be bees. And if you're going to have bees, you're going to have flowers. That means not clay and dirt and sand. You're going to have... Something that looks a lot brighter than that. That's, going to be, that's a good promise, isn't it? So milk and honey just wasn't something for the... It represented everything good and blessing that God wanted to bring. What a promise. And once again, God promises things like that and gives you things like that. Not just so you can be selfish and have everything. No, that so you can be an incredible blessing and witness to others. I want your life to flow with milk and honey, God says. So that you can even give milk and honey to others. Amen. 40 years of eating flaky bread called manna and quail. I mean, they'd fried it, they'd boiled it, they'd steamed it. They had 101 recipes, um, recipes for quail. But God says there's a better day. There's a better day in its milk and honey. And the promise was communicated to them of a greater future. So God's promises, you know what I've discovered about God's promises? They're interactive. That means his promises means you've got to reach out and take a hold of them. You can, say, oh, that, you can read it and say, that's nice. And then you, but you know what? You've got, to apply, you've got to live it. You've got to apply it. You've got to say, God, I take a hold of that, and I'm going to thank you for that promise. And you know, as you take a hold of a promise, it changes the way that you do life because you want to gain the promise. You want to gain the promise. This is what uh, Hebrews eleven seventeen says. By faith, Abraham, remember he was one of the fathers of the children of Israel. When he was tried, not tried, you know, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac. Remember? His only son. That he had re- that, and, he had received, and he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son. Abraham had the promise that Isaac would be his inheritance. And even when it was tested and he was to put him and sacrifice him, Abraham thought, God is good. He can come through with a promise. Even though in the natural, this boy is going to be killed. And I believe God can still bring this whole situation for good. That's trusting in a God, isn't it? That's trusting in the promise. Um, And you know what? Uh, Abraham literally was going to be killing the promise. And you know, sometimes you've got a promise, but God wants you to know that the promise is not your top priority, it's him. And he may ask you to sacrifice the promise so that you can worship, put him first. But you know what? He'll give you more than you ever could imagine when you hand over and make sure he's number one. Anyway, that's just a side thing. But the word receive, it says, he that had received the promise means to take up. It means promises are interactive. You've got to engage. You can read it and say, that's nice and walk away. Or you can take it and let it, um, you can munch on it. You can, um, uh, you can meditate on it. You can get a hold of it and say, that's for me. That, that's a truth. And I'm going to live that. I'm going to take up that promise. You know, we, we look at the internet and we, un- we look at it, it, it has so much information. But you know, you can go on the internet and ask a question. I was asking questions of Google this morning and it answering the questions so wonderfully through Wikipedia and things like that. And you know, but the reality is it could just stay on there. But you, to benefit, you've got to take the resource and you've got to, you know, sometimes download it. You've got to go online. You've got to look at it. You've got to receive it. You've got to read it. And we've got to reach out and take the resources. It's the same with God's promises. You've got to hook up, make room for the promise to happen, and uh, download the promises of God. Have a picture of their minds of that promise, the Israelite had a picture oh it 's a land that 's flowing with milk and with honey that 's a great picture. Why well, not have a picture of your future. I have a promise in your heart. Um, when we were first uh, when we were going to have our first child, and I know many of you know the story, but just just quickly, um, the doctors told us while Michelle was still pregnant with our first child that That there was a high, high percentage of major disability for that child. And they name we won't go into all the details, but and they said to us, you could abort that child. No problem, bought the child. We said, No, not gonna abort the child. God's given us a child. And you know, we went home. How do you live with that when you're only young and you you got your first child, and it's like these doctors have said, well, even the, even the uh, ultrasound, we've we, you know, recorded the length of the leg and the arm and all these details. And yet, yet it's even a higher percentage that your child is a, a severe disability. And they named Down syndrome and things like that. And so, what do you do when you're young, you know? You go home and you cry and then you cry out to God after a while. And you get a promise. And Michelle got a promise, and we had a promise. And one of the verses, I believe, that was the promise was Psalm 3, verse 5. And this is the promise. I lay down and sleep. I woke, for the Lord sustained me. Now, you might say, well, what promise is that for a child that maybe, you know, have this in the womb? That doesn't seem like a good promise. No, it was a good promise. Think it through. If, you know, in sometimes of stress and worry and concern and anxiety, there's one thing that you find lacking, and that is sleep. So we took, I took that promise and we, every night, well, I don't know if we did it for literally every night, but the promise was, hey, if God, you're going to be, if I can trust you, if I can lay down and sleep in peace, that means you're going to be working on it and you've got this all in hand and that, Father, I can trust you in this. And so I'm going to have a good sleep even because if you're going to be up and about doing what you're going to be doing and sorting through this whole issue of our little first child, God, doesn't that mean I can trust you and sleep in peace? And God said, yes. And so we thought that's a great Promise to hang on to. That's a great thought. You know what? The promise didn't uh, didn't tell me it's going to be everything's going to work out perfectly, according to human standards. It didn't even promise me that child will be normal in every way, shape, and form. It just it just made a promise that we could trust our God. And sometimes in our midst of a struggle, we sometimes look for a promise that's going to give us perfect things every time. You know what? Life is not always perfect, but, it is, it, but the reality is it can be a wonderful life in our Heavenly Father because he, he takes the mistakes of the world and the sin of the world and the problems of the world and He can turn around for good. So if it's 2017, what's the promise that you're going to lay a hold of for your situation? What's the promise? Here's the last thing and we'll finish with this. Exodus fourteen, one to three. If there's some the tide is to be turned in two thousand and seventeen, this is what probably for some of us we need to turn. We need to turn to a place of faith place of faith. Exodus 4, 1 to 3. Now the Lord spoke to Moses. Now Moses now is in the situation where he's come. He's realized he's not the son of Pharaoh. He's a child of, of God. He's an Israelite. So he goes into, he talks to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel. that they turn and, and finally they've come out of Egypt. This is the story. They've come out of Egypt and now they've, they've gone for several days into the desert and they've come up against the Red Sea. The Red Sea's in front of them. Pharaoh and all his army Suddenly realize, oh, we've done the wrong thing. We need, to, uh, we need to go after these guys and get them back. And so Pharaoh and his army are behind them. The Red Sea is in front of them. Left or right, there's just more sea and more desert. So where do you go when you're in a corner and you've got nothing and trapped? And so the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Pi-haroth between Migdon and the sea opposite Baal, Zephron, you shall camp before it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land and the wilderness has closed them in. Ah! Little did Pharaoh know that God had a plan. And I want to tell you, God has a plan when you're in the corner and you've got nowhere to go. And in 2017, maybe in 2016, you you felt like you couldn't go forward, you couldn't go through, you couldn't go up, you couldn't go down, you couldn't go anywhere, you were stuck. I want to tell you, you're never stuck when you're in God. There's always a plan. You know what? I think God allows it sometimes so that we will build faith in our hearts about our future. We would have faith to live out of his promises. No way back, no way forward, no way through. Pharaoh's getting closer, camping on the edge of the sea. They camped there eight days. Eight days on the edge of the sea. They could see the dust cloud getting more and more as Pharaoh and his army and chariots moved in on them. You know, I think... Even though they're out of Egypt, Egypt was not broken. And I think that's what God wanted to do with Egypt. I think God wanted to destroy some parts of Egypt. And, and you, know, you know, God wants to destroy your past totally. It's not that it didn't happen. It's not that you can deny it. But he wants it destroyed so there's a future and a hope. And God wanted to destroy Pharaoh and the army and you know, the interesting thing is this, is Moses, the word Moses means out of the water. You will remember why his name was called Moses, because as a child, Pharaoh was killing off little boys, two-year-olds and under. They was killing, putting them with the sword, trying to get rid of all the men that would come into the future generations of Israel. And so, The mother of Moses, of course, looked after him as long as she could in the home until he was making too much noise. And so she devised a plan. She put him in a little wicket basket and lined it so the water couldn't get in and pushed him out into the Nile. Of course, what happened is Pharaoh's daughter was bathing as she usually did. She saw the basket, opened it up, saw this little boy, fell in love with him and took him into her home and named him Moses because he was drawn out of the water. That's what Moses means. Now... 40, um, I, I really probably need to look at my timetable, but however old Moses was, he's now standing on the edge of another great river system, the, you know, the, the Red Sea. It wasn't just a river. What do you think would Moses would think about? God, if you can save me from the crocodiles of the Nile and bring me up in an incredible situation and teach me so much, if you can save me because I'm drawn out of the water, that's what my name means, surely... God, you've told me to put my stick in the water and you're going to part it. God, I'm just going to have faith that you could still do something with this water. And he did and he, he hit, the, hit the water with his stick, the water parted and the children of Israel marched through to safety. Pharaoh's army came through and the water collapsed on top of them and drowned them. And we see that, you know what, the experiences and the things, what, you need to remember what God has done in the past, those good things, because he wants to be there in the future as well. And when you're standing in the situation where you can't go through up, down, or nothing, or you can't seem to get through it, you need to remember that God is faithful and he'll see you through. And you know what it builds? It builds faith in our hearts for our Heavenly Father. Faith that He can do what He said He could do. Where does the tide need to turn in your life in 2017? Do you know what is a fact? The tide will come in and go out today, tomorrow, and for the rest of this year. It is a fact of creation, that the tide will come in and go out. The tide will get to a point. It'll never get to the point where it'll just come on, keep on coming over the land. It'll get to a point on the beach or the, on, the, on the coastline where it'll come to a point and then it'll turn around and go back again. And it'll do it six hours later again. Back, you know what? It's been doing it for 6,000 years. And you know who created the, the tide? you know why the tide comes in and out? It's because of the gravitational pull of the, Earth, the moon and the sun and the earth's rotation. You know who created the earth and the sun and the earth's rotation and everything about it? Our Heavenly Father. Jeremiah says this. This is what the Lord says. He who appoints the sun to shine by day... Who decrees the moon and the stars to shorten by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar, the Lord Almighty is his name. If our God can look after the creation and for the last six thousand years bring the tide in and take it out, bring it in, take it out. If he can make sure the sun is there for all eternity, if he can make sure the moon rotates around the earth, that's what it does, doesn't it? And the earth rotate. If he can make sure that it never misses a, 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 a single Micron of a degree. The earth is always perfectly doing what it needs to do. That's why we have seasons. If our God can do that, why would he not look after you and me if we would trust him? Every time you see the tide come in and out, just say, thank you God that it doesn't come so far that it floods the earth and it doesn't go so far out that we never have the sea at all. But it always comes in and out. And every time it comes in and out, you know what you need to say? God, the tide is turning. And by faith, I believe it's going to turn for this situation and this circumstance. Can we stand this morning? If you need the tea, if you're saying, you know, I just want to see 2000 and. Seventeen. I want to see some tides turn. I want to see some things happen that we just see the tide turn in my life. You know what? I just want to invite you this morning just to come to the altar and say, Father, here today am I. It might be for you. It might be for someone else. It might be for a situation that maybe today you actually feel like that. It's just you're in a corner and you're really not quite sure the way out. I'd just love to pray with you, stand with you this morning. And we believe for our God, He would be the answer that we've all seeked, seeking for. I'd invite you this morning just to come and stand We worship just for a moment before we close the service and say, Father, here I am. Because I believe in the laying of hands and I believe in the Holy Spirit and I believe that God wants to impart life and encouragement in the future. Come on, let's just worship for a moment and let's just believe God. Just take a moment to say, Father, thanks to you.